Hello, and thank you for joining us today. As always, it is such a blessing to be with you today. The name of the message today is The Truth. We're going to be looking at how the Bible is true and how our perspective and our worldview is in relation to the truth that is in the Bible. The verse, and the main verse today that we'll be looking at is John 17, 17. And it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true. That as Christians, we can stand on the truth of your word. That we know that there is, there is no other truth. That by all things in our life, they are filtered through your word. Lord, we pray that your word would continue to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to be more and more like Jesus. We thank you so much. Please let these verses today change us. Let them teach us. Let, this, let, them, let it guide us to be all that we can be in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A worldview is a perspective that is a lens that we look at the world from, and that we look at the world through. It gives us the truths or the truths that we think are truths. We live in a time right now where everybody thinks they have their own truth or that your truth might be different than my truth. But in the end, there is truly only one truth. Today, we're going to be looking at the different perspectives and how we can see and how we know that the Bible is true, that it is truly the Word of God, that it is truly inspired, and that it is something that we can hang our hat on and say, yes, we know absolutely 100%. This is God's Word, and this is what He has for my life. When we look at worldviews, everyone has one. Whether they are a Christian or a non-believer or follow some other religion, everyone has some sort of perspective or some sort of view of the world. Everybody has a certain set of assumptions the way they look at the world and the place around them. But there are two main perspectives. When we look at the world from a Christian point of view, there's a Christian point of view and a Christian lens or a Christian perspective, and there is a non-Christian lens and a non-Christian perspective. These worldviews are obviously radically different in practically every part of any debate. And whether it is answering the question of why is there something rather than nothing, or how do we explain human nature, how do we determine what is right and what is wrong, how do we know what we know, what happens to a person when they die, the Christian worldview gives us answers radically different than the non-Christian view. And every worldview is based upon faith. Everybody on this planet has a certain set of assumptions, a certain set of truth that they believe. And for example, the Christian worldview is based on a belief that God exists. An atheist perspective or an atheist worldview is that God does not exist. But every worldview is based upon some sort of faith. Now, there are basically three main components in this worldview. The first one is, how did we get here? Who are we? Where did the world come from? The second question is, why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Why is there war in the world? 
And what is the major source of all of that problem? What is the major source of all of that turmoil? And the final question is, is what is the solution? How can the world be set right? How can things be set back in place? Each one of us has a, a sense of justice that is about us. And we, we can't put our finger on where that actually comes from, but our heart cries out for justice. Our heart cries out against wrongdoing that is done to us, that is done to others. With this, we look at the truth. And it's interesting, the Bible tells us that the truth shall set us free. And that is ultimately what we look for, is the truth. When we look at those three questions, the Bible solves those three questions very simply. When we look at that first question, who are we, how did we get here, and where did the world come from? We learn this in the very first chapters of Genesis, that God created the world, that God created man, and that we came from God, that God created Adam and Eve, and we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, that God created the world, and that is how the world got here. The Bible tells us that there is a reason, there is a purpose for evil. It tells us about the evil one. It tells us about the devil, and ultimately how the devil created evil in the world by tempting the first humans that were here to sin, to sin against God, where we had the fall of man. And then we have the redemption. And the Bible is laid out in this way. The Bible starts by telling us about creation, how we got here, how the world is here. The Bible proceeds to tell us about the fall of man. And the rest of the Bible is, is geared towards the redemption of man, to solving that, that initial challenge, that essential problem, the solution, as we put it in question number three. Now, all of this raises some really big questions is why? Why do we believe the Bible? It's one thing to say that the Bible is true, but how do we know that it's true? We must answer these questions, whether it is about evolution, evil, hell, war, heaven, the earth, certainly everyone it sounds great to go to heaven, but what does the Bible actually say about heaven? What, what is heaven? So why? Why do we believe the Bible? Why do we believe that the Bible is the spoken word of God? Why do we believe it is the inspired word of God, that it is the ultimate truth? While most of the world denies this truth, while most of the world denies that the Bible is nothing more than wisdom on some 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 good stories that teach us about possibly morality we must remember that two billion people or one-third of the world population claims to believe in god it claims to believe that the bible is true and it is the inspired word of god that even though men wrote it that men were inspired by god when writing it the biggest single fact that people have to deal with when concerning with the Bible is, is it, is it the claim of men or is it the claim of God? Is it the claim of what men believed or is it the writing and the inspired word of God? The Old Testament, there are phrases like God said, God spoke. The word of the Lord came. These occur 
4,000 times, 700 times in the first five books, 40 times even in just one chapter. Hundreds of years later, the Apostle Paul says this about the Bible. He says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It straightens us out and it teaches us what is right. And the ultimate statement to this clarification of being true was spoken by Jesus himself when he said in John 17, 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Today, I'm going to share four perspectives or four thoughts with you today of why the Bible is true, why the Bible is the inspired word of God and why the Bible is ultimately the truth. And the first perspective that I want to talk to you today about is that the Bible is historically accurate. So let me ask you a question. If you took 10 people from different cultures that spoke different languages, that were scattered in different areas and different continents, and you took them all together and you said, hey, write down for me what is the meaning of life without any of those people communicating or talking to each other, and they gave it to you, what is the chance that each one of them would write the exact same thing. I think we would all agree that the chance of that would be zero, that no one would come back with the same perspective. But yet imagine this. Here is this book or a collection of books. As the Bible is 66 individual books written over the period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors living on three different continents, writing in three different languages, and writing on very controversial topics at the time. And yet, they all wrote on one theme, and they all said the exact same thing. When we take archaeologists, and we look at what archaeologists do, when they get to the Holy Land, and they go to dig, and they go to look for the truth in these these ancient cities, The first thing that they do is open the Bible for clues. Where might this be? How close is it to this river? These people traveled to this river or they went to this hill. So obviously this town or the settlement must be in some area closest to here. It is the first thing that scientists or archaeologists go to when they are trying to look for ancient artifacts, ancient cities, ancient perspectives of man. I'll give you... One example, there are hundreds of examples here, but let me just quote one by Dr. Nielsen Glickick. He's a great modern authority on Israeli archaeology. He said that no archaeological discovery was ever has ever been controversial with a Bible reference. Archaeology continues to confirm a clear outline or an exact detail historical statements in the Bible. That in itself is amazing in itself. I've talked many times before about the Dead Sea Scrolls in our messages, but if you haven't heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the mid-1900s. They are ancient writings. It is almost the entire Old Testament that is written. And it all dates back to, carbon dates back to about 150 B.C., so 150 years before Christ. When we take and we compare the writings that we have today with those ancient manuscripts, 
that were only found 60 or 70 years ago that, that were hidden in caves in Israel. And when we take those and we compare them to what we have today, it is over 99.5% the exact same thing that we are reading today. There has been no change in the Bible in 2,000 years. These are unbelievable, historical, scientific proofs of the authenticity of the Bible. As Jesus said in John 17, 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The Bible shows us too that there is scientific proof of scientific of scientific elements that were not known at that time. There is scriptural evidence of truths that we know now that we didn't even know 500 years ago. One example is about the earth being round. We must remember that over five, 600 years ago, most of the ancient world at that time believed that the earth was flat. Yet the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah Isaiah 40, 22, it says, God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent for them. And we must remember this was written seven, eight hundred years before Christ, long before ancient settlers tried to travel to North America or to even know that the world was round. 3,000 years ago, scientists at that time, philosophers, thought that the wind blew always in straight directions. Of course, we know now that wind patterns take all kinds of different directions. Ecclesiastes 1.6 says, The wind blows from the south, and then it turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Once again, Jesus said, John 17.17, 17, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. When we look at from a prophetic perspective, it has been proven right time and time again. No other writing, no other book, no other person trying to make guesses could get anywhere close to the staggering prophetic anointing that the Bible has of telling the truth of things that happen before they happen. We know that there were over 300 prophecies about Christ that were fulfilled that when he came. And we know too that there are over 2,000 prophecies that, from the Old Testament that have already been proven today over the course of time. These are things that have historical evidence, archaeological proof, We know that in 70 AD, Israel was overthrown by the Romans, that they were a scattered people. The Bible tells us they would be scattered to the ends of the earth, and we know this. We know that that happened. We know that after World War II, Israel was reestablished, that the Jews could go home at that time. In fact, Isaiah 66, 8 tells us, Can a nation be born in a day? And we know historically that Israel was born in one day after World War II. It was reestablished. 
that from all over the world, as prophecy tells us, the Jews would return to the Holy Land, that they would return to Israel. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that the first two chapters of the Bible begin by answering those key questions that we talked about. Where do we come from? Why are we here? What is the source of evil? The rest of the message, the rest of the Bible, tells about what God did for man. The rest of the Bible tells about the redemption of man. Is our Heavenly Father speaking to us from heaven, wanting us to know what is true? Pulling all stops out to show us, if we look for it, the historical, the scientific, the archaeological proof that His Word is true. He is not some hidden cosmic being that's trying to hide from man. The Bible is thick. It has a lot. God has a lot to say to us. God has a lot that He wants to communicate. But we live in a world today where truth is gray and it is, it is fuzzy and it is everyone has or what they perceive to be their own truth. But I want to tell you today, there is only one truth. There is only one redemption for sin. We are all sinful. From the fall of man to now, sin has permeated through generations that impacts you and it impacts me. And the Bible tells us that there is only one way to become right with God. That there is only one way for the redemption of man. And some people say, well, there's other religions and there's other thoughts and there's other uh, spiritual perspectives. And here's what I would say to that. If somebody was to ask you, what is two times two? You say, well, how many answers are there? A lot of people say, well, there's one. But no, there's not. There could be many answers. And no matter what somebody thinks the answer is, they can believe with all their heart that their, that their answer is the true answer. But at the end of the day, there is only one true answer. All the other answers are wrong. There is only one true answer. So I encourage you today. We have just skimmed the surface of archaeological proof. We have skimmed the surface of the truth that God shows us, the scientific proof that's in the Bible, everything to ceremonial hand-washing and why that is important, why running water is important in the Bible. One other perspective that I didn't even touch on that comes to mind today is that when the fall of Jericho happened, the walls fell outward. When archaeologists dug up Jericho, they found that the walls fell outward. There are no other wars where there are any fortified cities where walls fell outward. Walls always fell inward as people attacked them. Once again, this proving the historical accuracy and truth of the Bible. It goes on and on. The, the challenge here is that someone just has to look for it. 
If you seek, you will find the truth when you seek with all your heart. There is only one way. There is only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So as we look at these truths today and we examine our heart, maybe you're someone that has never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that the Bible says that whoever repents of their sins and believes in the Son of God, believes in Jesus, that they are saved. You say, saved from what? Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where Jesus is. Hell is separation from God and there is another truth. That there is heaven and that there is hell. That justice that I talked about that is in each one of us that cries out that when someone murders someone or, or someone does some terrible atrocity to another person or another country, there is something inside of us that says that is wrong and there must be justice that is paid. You're right. We are created with that design that justice must be paid. And that justice, that sin that is, that is upon each one of us separates us from a perfect and holy God. But God himself chose to come to earth, to live a sinless life, to be crucified, died, and to raise from the dead that whoever believes in him should be saved. So today, if you're sitting there and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to tell you how you can be certain of your eternal destiny. If that's you today, I come to you. If there is a, if there is a pulling to you that is, oh, maybe I believe that, maybe, yes, well, I, I've been given a chance to pray that prayer before. You know, the, there's everything in the world. There's everything from that that source of injustice that we call the devil, that is the devil, that is true and real, that wants to pull you away, that does not want you to become a child of God. Take all of those out today. Take all of those inhibitions. Take all of those doubts and cast them aside. Today is your day. Now, there are no specific words or specific prayer that needs to be said. I will lead you in a prayer, but there is nothing special about the prayer that I will lead you in. It is a heart issue that makes you saved. If you feel the repentance of your sin, if, if as I've been talking, you understand the weight of your sin and the separation of God, if you feel that and you believe in Jesus, pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I understand and know that I'm desperately in need of a Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God. That you came to this earth and lived a sinless life. That you died and rose from the dead for redemption of my sin. That you bore that payment for me. Please save me. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please like, share, subscribe, comments. 
so that this message can reach more people for Christ. God bless you.